0: a called out and sanctified people, set aside that you may show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the special usage that God's got for his people.
1: Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. Author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God.
2: Surrender is not a four letter word. In fact, it's the pathway to freedom. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you so much for joining us today. We're starting a brand new series I'm calling, Two Keys to Knowing God's Will. You know, Jesus had a whole lot to say about surrender. He encouraged us to surrender to God, to his will for our lives, and he said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Today on Life Talk, we're going to be talking about one of the most important keys to knowing God's will. And that is the key of surrender. So let's go right to the message. Surrender is not a four-letter word.
0: I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now read verse 2 with me. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Did you read that? He's telling us in these two verses how we can know what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So there's gotta be some keys in these passages. Lord, we thank you right now that the will of God is not unknowable, but you have revealed it to us primarily in your word. And we know that, Lord, you guide us and you lead us and you order the steps of a righteous person. And we have been made righteous by your blood, Lord. So you ought to be ordering our steps, and you are. And yet, Lord, there are times we're confused about the will of God. So we pray that today you will clarify how we can know God's will for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you can know his will. Now, these verses really do hold two crucial keys to a great many of the blessings available to the Christian life. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go so far as to say, if you don't do the two things in these verses, you're going to miss a great number of the blessings that God has for you. And none of us want to miss the blessings of God, do we? So we can sum up these two verses with two words, and here they are surrender and transformation." So can you say it with me? Surrender Surrender. and transformation. Now those two key words are the two words that Paul is really homing in on in these passages. And he says these two words are the pathway to discerning God's will for your life. Now I'm gonna give you a little truth statement, a little phrase. It's sort of going to be the watchword over this series. Here it is. I'm going to read it to you, and then I want you to say it with me, because I'm going to turn to this over and over again as to why we need to do verses 1 and 2. Here it is. You will never be what you ought to be until you do what you ought to do. Now, that is just a fact. Now, let's personalize it. I want you to say it with me, I will never be what I ought to be until I do what I ought to do. I heard somebody recently talking to a coach and they had been to this coach's football practice and they said, man, it sure seems like your players love practice because they were just really into that practice. He said, oh no, they hate practice. They just like winning. You see, if you want a result, you've got to do something to get there. The best things in life don't generally just drop on you. Now, salvation does through Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of things in life that you want to be, that you want to do. But you know what? You're never going to be what you really want to be until you do what you really ought to do. Being what you want to be is a consequence of having done what you should have done. So you and I are never going to be what we ought to be. We're never going to be the Christians that we ought to be until we have done what we should do. And these two verses tell us what that is. Surrender to the full will of God and having our minds transformed by renewing. And these are both things that happen post-salvation. Salvation is the beginning, not the end. Well, it's the end of an old life and the beginning of a new one. But it's the beginning of a new one. Then we've got to build on that life. We've got to add bricks to that life. We've got to get a good foundation laid in that new life. And so there are certain things we've got to do. Now, these two things, surrender and transformation, are Christianity 101. It's just Christianity 101. These are the things that we should immediately undertake to do. I want to tell you, I've been around... A long time now. I've been walking with the Lord since I was really strongly, since I was 18. Here's what I know you talk to anybody who has borne fruit and who has victory in their life and who are mature, and here will always be their testimony I surrendered to Christ. I had a defining moment of full surrender and I was transformed by the renewing of my mind. And that's why I'm mature and that's why I have victory and that's why I'm bearing fruit. Because I did those two things. I did what I ought to do to be what I wanted to be. So I want to deal with the first one, of the whole issue of surrender. You know, we sing that song so easily, I surrender all. But so often our surrender is conditional, isn't it? Mine has been several times through Out my life, I've had moments where I was really tempted to just not be totally surrendered. It's easy to sing. It's not easy to do. Amen? There's a battle for your mind and a battle for your time. So it's very, very important that all of us have a moment where we completely surrender. And here's the way he puts it. He said, I want you to present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now that's talking about total surrender. Now, when I read that, that's kind of scary sounding to me. Present my body a living sacrifice? Wow, that sounds serious, and it is serious. But oh, the joy that's on the other side of doing that. But you know what? He gives us a motivation for the presentation of our bodies. He gives us an incredible incentive to come to God and give him Our bodies, which by implication is not only our bodies, but all of us, our future, our present, our past, all that we have, all that we have ever wanted to be, our aspirations, our dreams, give him everything. Total surrender is total surrender. You're a living sacrifice. So he said, let me give you some incentive. And the incentive is found in the very beginning of verse 1 when he says, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God. The mercies of God. How many of you are glad for his mercies? Then the Bible says, his mercies are new every morning? Great is his faithfulness. But now, anytime you see the word therefore, and it's in here, I beseech you, therefore. Look real close and see what it's there for. Because therefore is a connective. It means that something has preceded the therefore that you need to keep in mind before he carries you to the next truth. So we're looking back and say, okay, well, what came therefore, what came before therefore, that I'm to remember, as he said, I beseech you by the mercies of God, give God your body, give him your life, give him your all. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God. Well, the Bible, Paul is drawing our attention to everything that he's already told us in the first 11 chapters of Romans which is 315 verses. He said, I've given you 315 verses of truth that I am basing therefore on. I'm saying in light of what I've told you in the last 315 verses, I want you to understand that giving your body to God is reasonable, it's logical. It makes total sense based on what I told you in the first 11 chapters. Well, what did he tell us? Well, I can't go into all of it. That's 11 chapters. But I'm going to just share a little bit of it with you in a nutshell. Here it is. First of all, Paul tells us, and this leads to the therefore, he said, he said in chapter three, several things. First, that we were hopelessly lost in sin when grace found us. There is none righteous, no, not one, chapter three. There is not one person who understands. There is not one person who seeks God. Not One. We have all turned aside. There is none that does good, not even one. For all have sinned and fall short daily, Are daily falling short, every one, are daily falling short of the glory of God. We're missing the mark. We miss the mark every day. There is not one person who can stand up and say to God, I'm righteous, I'm ready for heaven because of the goodness of me. Not one. So he lays it all out. He says the entire world is guilty before God. There is not one righteous. No, not one. There's not one who is genuinely seeking the real God. They seek idols, but they're not seeking the real God. Let me tell you why. Because the real God is holy. So even though people may say, oh, I'm really seeking God, they're really not unless the Holy Ghost is dealing with them. Because Jesus said, no man comes to me unless the Father draws him. As a result of our sinfulness, get a load of this. This is so powerful. As a result of the sinfulness of the human race, the wrath of God, in Romans 1.18 it says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Every single day, lost man is pushing the truth of God down, suppressing it, not letting it out because they don't want the light shining on their dark deeds. Jesus said, this is the condemnation that is on the world. This is the condemnation. He said that men love darkness more than light. And they do. And so sinful man is always pushing that truth down. Shut up. Don't say anything. If you go out and you talk truth, they will seek to shut you up because there's a suppression of truth. And because of that, it says the wrath of God is hourly, minutely, secondly, being poured out on the human race. But the Bible doesn't leave us there. And that's where the mercies of God come in. A rescuer was sent to save us, a redeemer, a Messiah. His name is Jesus. Now here's where the mercies of God come in. This gets me excited. Thank God for the mercies of God because you know what? He could have left us there. He could have left us in our sin and just said, well, you deserve judgment and you deserve hell. He could have left us there, but he didn't. He sent a rescuer. When Jesus came to the earth, it was a rescue mission. He sent a redeemer, a Messiah, a rescuer, a deliverer, a light. Light has come into the world, John said. Light has come into the world and life. And it says that in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. Oh, you talk about the mercies of God. Let me just talk to you about the mercies of God a minute. How many people would die for somebody they even loved and that loved them? How many people would die for someone who loved them and who they loved and they were in a deep love relationship with? How many people would even die for that person? But how in the world do you die for somebody who's spitting in your face, who hates you, who is at war with you, who detests you, who doesn't want anything to do with you and who is suppressing the knowledge of you? You know how that happens? The mercies of God. The mercies of God. While we were yet sinners which means that we were at enmity with God. We were at war with God. We were separated from God. But while we were spitting in his face, he stretched out his arms and his feet and they nailed him to that tree. And while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Brethren, I beseech you by the mercies of God. When you stop thinking about what Jesus did for us, it's no big deal to give him your body. It's your reasonable, logical, commonsensical service because look what he did for you. And Romans goes on and tells us how we access this great salvation. We don't do it by our own works, our own deeds, by doing what we think is right. But no, we access this salvation by faith and faith alone because Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. The Bible says in Romans three twenty five, God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. When Jesus hung on that cross, get this, God was presenting him. God was presenting him. Here you go. Here's my son on the cross. Why are you doing it, Lord? My mercies, my grace. He presented him. And he continues to present him. He presents the crucified Savior and the resurrected Savior to the entire world. I'm presenting him to you. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. And you won't get to the Father. You won't get to me, but through him. And there is not another name given among men whereby we must be saved, but the name Jesus Christ. But he didn't stop there. Talk about the mercies of God. Romans 3.28 says that having placed our faith in the atoning power of the blood of Christ, when we say, Lord, I place my faith in what you did, I place my faith in that blood that ran down that old rugged tree, that precious blood, that crimson stain, that blood that never sinned, that perfect sacrificial blood. When I put my faith in that, then it says, we are justified by faith. Justified means just as if you never did it. Can I tell you that God has amnesia when it comes to your sin and mine? Because the Bible says when we come to him and he forgives us, he forgets about it. It ain't interesting, the devil wants to remind you of it, but God wants you to forget about it because he forgot about it and he's washed it away. He says, I'll put your sin in the deepest part of the ocean. I'll remove your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And, and the Bible calls that the mercies of God. How many of you are glad for the mercies of God? Amen. We sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was so lost, but now I'm so found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. And then as I continued and started to walk with him, based on that grace through many dangers, toils and snares, I have already come was grace that brought me this far and grace will lead me home. Thank God for that amazing grace. And that amazing grace was wrapped up in the mercies of God. So Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, in light of these mercies of God, that I told you about in the first 11 chapters, that you give him your bodies, and by implication, all that you are, all that you have, all that you ever wanted to be, you give him all of you. Because when we give him all of us, he gives us all of him. It's a really great trade. We get the better deal out of it, let me tell you. Now watch this. Giving your body... All of you to the Lord is the beginning of what the Bible calls sanctification. And that's a kind of a long word. Why don't you say it with me, sanctification. sanctification. See, when you say, Lord, I give you all of me. I give myself to you. I give my body to you. That's the first step in sanctification. Now, let me tell you what that means. Sanctification is simple. It just means I set something aside for special use. I set something aside for special use. This certain something is is special. It's not for common things. So I'm going to set it aside for myself. Sanctification. It means that you dedicate something. You separate something. That's where the Bible says, come apart from the world and be ye separate, says the Lord. What fellowship does light have with darkness or Christ with Belial? Don't be unequally yoked because you are sanctified. And Paul said in Thessalonians, he said, faithful is he who calls you to sanctification, who also will do it. And he says he will sanctify you body, soul, and spirit. He will set your body, your soul, and your spirit aside for himself. Sanctify, set aside for special use. Now, the best way I know to explain this is let's talk about China, not the place, but the plates. Take your valuable China as an example. Have you ever noticed we don't put China in normal cupboards? We place it in a China cabinet. Why? Because it's special. We could say the China is sanctified. It's more valuable than normal plates, it's special, so we set it aside and we display it in a china cabinet because it is unlike all other plates, saucers, cups, and whatnot. We don't bring our china out to put the kids' hot dogs on where they can sit in front of the TV on Saturday morning and watch cartoons with hot dogs and potato chips on top of our china. No, we go get paper plates Knowing that whatever we use will soon be destroyed. We wouldn't dream of giving them the china. Because china is reserved for special use, special occasions, holidays, those important people you want to impress. When, when it's a high occasion, you bring out that china and you lay it on the table. And there it is. And you look at it and you go, there it is. That, that's what I've been keeping aside. For special use. Now, let me just tell you this. You as the church are God's China. So well, I don't feel like China. And I don't look like China. Well, let me tell you something. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a called out and sanctified people set aside that you may show forth The praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's the special usage that God's got for his people. To reflect him and glorify him and lift him up and make him known. That's what China is used for. God's China. Okay? So we are dedicated, we are consecrated We set ourselves aside for the Lord's work. And see, when we do that, then we're understanding what the blood did for you and for me. Because it says, we have been purchased with a price, the blood of the Lamb. Not earthly currency, heavenly currency, the blood of the Lamb. And since we have been purchased with a price, Corinthians says, therefore, glorify God in your body, which is the Lord's. So, the idea behind presenting our bodies is that we are God's china, his special vessels for the work and the purposes of God. And we're set aside for that. And so, when God wants to talk to somebody about Jesus, he pulls out the china. When God wants somebody prayed for, he pulls out his china. When God wants somebody to speak up for him, he pulls out his china. You know, I'm a treasure in earth and vessels, but right now I'm china.
2: It's interesting when you consider that so much of what Jesus taught is contrary to the way we think. To live we must die, to get we should give, and to experience promotion we must first serve, and to experience true freedom we must surrender our freedom to Him. But that's the way the Kingdom works. And here at Life Talk we want nothing more than for you to experience success in your Christian life. And that's why we're making a very special offer to our Life Talk listeners. Here's our announcer to tell you more.
0: Surrender is not a four-letter word is the first message of Pastor Jeff's new series, Two Keys to Knowing God's Will. You can own a copy of this two-CD set for just $10 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the series Two Keys to Knowing God's Will for only $10 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information.
1: For those of you who will help Life Talk reach America with God's Word, Jeff has written a beautiful booklet entitled, Let the Journey Continue, the Spirit-Filled Life. Let the Journey Continue is a beautifully designed companion booklet to our last month's offer. Let the journey begin. Let the Journey Continue explains in a simple, easy to read style what the Bible teaches about walking in the Spirit. This will surely be a helpful addition to your spiritual resources library. And Let the Journey Continue would make a great gift for that teen in the house, friend, coworker, or spouse that might be struggling to understand how to live the Christian life in victory. Don't miss this beautifully illustrated little booklet for a gift of any size to helping Lifetalk take God's Word to America. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station